Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in this series called Preppers, and again, I'm going to be closing down this series, and we've been in this series for a while, and uh, last week I uh, talked about really how do we prepare uh, for the right person, and uh, really, really it's happened a couple times this series as I've been talking and kind of teaching. Uh, I've gone longer than I would have liked to, and I've had to make it different, two different, three different parts, and so today I'm going to talk to you about preparing for the right person, part two. Part two, yeah, I said it, part two, and uh, here's what I know about this, about this, is about this series. We've been saying it all really a couple months long, is really what we're doing is we want to be a people that prepare uh, our best for what God has for us, and then we're believing God's going to do the rest. If we do our part, we're believing he's going to do his part, amen? And we're believing God's going to do great things in 2023, and I know he already has, and he's going to continue to, and so we're going to be talking about preparing for the right person, part two. You may be here, and you say, well, I missed part one. All good. You don't have to worry about it. It's not, it's not like a show where you're going to miss part. No, it's all good. You could go back and watch it online later, but it really, uh, it's just a second part of the series, uh, the message. That being said as well, uh, really, uh, you may be in the room and you say, well, I'm married. I'm not, why would I prepare for the right person? I already have the person I'm married to. Well, then this is my challenge to all of us that are married. That would be this. Well, how are we continuing to prepare ourselves to be the right person for that, for your spouse? You know, being married, when you say I do, it, work doesn't stop. Amen, married people, help me out. The work actually starts, and I believe the, the healthiest marriages are the ones that work the hardest. Married folk, help me out. Praise God. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. And, and so it's about really preparing, continuing to work on us. And then if you're single in the room, well, hey, you know, a lot of times what can happen is we can, we can be wanting the right person. We can be praying for the right person. We can be believing for the right person. But the question and the challenge that I have for you is are you becoming the right person? The person that you're praying about, you're praying for somebody godly, or you living godly. Come on, somebody. So we'll talk about that. But then maybe you're in the room and you're saying, or online, you're saying, well, I'm not really in the, in the relationship, stage, relationship stage. I'm kind of done with relationships. I don't want a relationship. That's all good, too. You can take some of these principles, and you can kind of use them for your life, for your relationships and your job, your family, your finances, whatever, different people that you have around you. So you can learn something from this. So don't tune out is what I'm saying. That being said, when I was studying for this message, really, I said, what better way uh, to talk about really how to prepare the way God desires for us to for the right relationships than talking about Adam and Eve, the very first relationship that was created. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And every lady said, amen. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And he says, at last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. 
Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Bless God. Come on, married people, say amen. If you're single in the room, shh, okay? I want to say this, and I said this last week, and if you weren't here, I just want to reiterate. We don't normally do this, but this message is going to be PG-13, Okay, so if you have children in the room or you have children online, you don't want them to hear uh, PG-13, that I won't be offended if you want to escort them out, all good, uh, but it will be a little bit PG-13. Now, you may be new here and you say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, here's what I know. It, when it comes to relationships, if we don't talk about godly relationships and how God has designed relationships here in church, then where are we getting our information? If we can't talk about how God designed it, then where are we getting our information? We're going to get it from Netflix. We're going to get it from music and movie stars and, and, and people that don't serve God. And so now we can create this misconception of what relationships really should look like and what we should be feeling, what we should be doing. And it's all lies. And so if we can't talk about it in church, where can we talk about it? So we're going to be PG-13. Come on, somebody. Help me out. Okay. That being said, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, that after he created man and woman and after uh, they were told to be fruitful and multiply and the Bible says that the, the serpent comes. Many of you know the story and he begins to tempt, the enemy begins to tempt Eve uh, showing her uh, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the Bible says that he tells her you're not gonna die, that you'll be like God and then the Bible says she, she sees how beautiful the fruit is. She desires, the scripture says, it's wisdom and so she takes of it and it says this and this is where we pick up, the woman was convinced that she saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her so she took some of the fruit and ate it then she gave some of her hut to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Interesting. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about our identity and how sin can really distort our identity, okay? And then when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man. He said, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked him, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The Bible says he, God creates Adam, he creates Eve, and he says, listen, the whole garden's yours. Do whatever you want. Be fruitful. Be mul go and multiply. And he says, just don't do one thing. Don't eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says that he sent this, the enemy, Satan, he tempts uh, Eve, and they take of the fruit. He gives, she gives it to Adam. Adam takes of the fruit. The Bible says they immediately notice that they're naked. So they cover themselves up with fig leaves. And then the Bible says that they're, they hear God coming. If you don't know, in, the, in this scripture, the Bible says that really in Genesis, that God himself would come down in the Garden of Eden in the afternoons. And he would actually literally, literally, not just like thinking about it, God would literally come and he would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. So he's coming down for his, his afternoon stroll with Adam and Eve because God's intent, original intent for all of us was relationship all the way from the beginning of time. He desires relationship with you. He desires relationship with them. And so he's walking. He's coming to walk with them and re have relationship with them. And the Bible says that he can't find them. Now, we all know he's God. He knows where they are. But he says, hey, where are you? And the Bible says that Adam comes out and he says, well, I was hiding because I, I noticed that I was naked and I was afraid. Then God says something interesting. He says, well, who told you this? Who told you that you were naked? Who, who, who is it that, that made you feel shame? What is it that happened? He says, was it that you ate of the tree from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? 
And this is what we know. We know now, as the Bible says that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. We know that sin creates, this ripple effect of sin creates this shame in our lives. And from this story, I see a couple things that I believe it's important for us to do to really walk out and really live preparing for the right person, whether it's whether we're married to them, we're single to them, or even preparing for friends and family members. And that's the first thing I see in this scripture. He says this. The Bible says that they heard God coming and they hid. The first thing we must do to build a strong foundation is have a life and live a life of integrity. Integrity. Integrity is such an important thing. It is the foundation of every healthy relationship. Integrity is the foundation of every healthy relationship. Why? Because without integrity, there is no trust. And let me tell you something. If you ain't got trust, you know you ain't, you, you, that relationship ain't healthy. You be checking on them. They, they're, they're, they go off to, to leave their phone for a second. You're going and grabbing their phone. You're like checking to see if they've been texting who they've been to. Ooh, who is Jimmy? Ooh, I never heard Jim. Ooh, Jim. Hey, who's Jimmy? And your, your girl's like, uh, that's my boss. You know, like... Integrity is the foundation, a solid foundation that creates trust. And from trust, then we overflow with a healthy relationship. We're living in a day and an age and a time and a a society that really integrity is non-existent. It's really do what you want, do what you feel. It doesn't matter about the other person. Who cares? In the end, do what you want because it's about you. And this is literally, this is how we, I believe, how we really distort and how we fall into unhealthy relationships. Healthy relationships have integrity. Why? Because within that integrity, there is so much freedom. See, the world says live how you want with no integrity and there's freedom. But no, that's not true. With that comes guilt, shame, pain, hurt, condemnation, all these different things. But within integrity and the foundation of how we build our lives, really this is where we find the freedom to enjoy healthy relationships. Integrity. The Bible says that they hid. It's interesting how we, as as believers even, as humans, it's so easy for us to hide things. It's so easy for us to try to cover things because we don't want to expose something about ourselves. Integrity, what does that mean? Maybe you're in the room, you're like, oh, I know what the word integrity means. That's cool. My words, my term of how I can explain integrity is this. My private life and my public life, they line up. My private life and my public life collide. And when they collide, they match up. Y'all know how it is. Oftentimes your private life and your public life, something's going off. And then your private life gets exposed in your public life. And next thing you know, your heart drops. And you're like, oh, no. And like it's this sinking feeling of something you've done or something that's happened. Why? Because your private life and your public life didn't line up. The purpose and the heart of integrity is that my private life and my public life would, 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 would collide. And when they do collide, there's freedom because they, they match up and line up. Does that make sense? It's so important that we would understand this as a culture, as a society. God desires for us to build a healthy, solid foundation of integrity. Scripture says that they hid, and as they hid, I'm going to talk to the singles for a moment. As they hid, you know, it's important that, they, that you, we understand they went and they covered themselves, the Scripture says. And I think we can oftentimes, hear me, for singles in the room, we can oftentimes begin to cover a part of who we are to try to show a better person than who we think we are. We'll try to hide a part of our anger, or we'll try to hide a part of a, you know, we try, we, we'll make our relationships our insta-reels, okay? 
and you're in the room, you're like, what's an Insta reel? Don't worry about it, I promise, it's not that cool, okay? Here's what happens, and I don't mean like, you're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't put all my dating things online. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is on Instagram, on social media, everybody gets the highlights. Everybody gets the good. And so what we can do is we can get into relationships and we can do the same thing. I'm going to put my best foot forward and I'm going to make sure they see only the good things. And they, they see only the good things about me. And so when they see the, all the good things, and then what happens is you get married and they start, they, they, they start living with you and they start walking with you and they start to see a side of you or you start to see a side of them. And you're like, who in the world is this? Why? Because you weren't willing to have integrity and really show and be yourself. Everybody has flaws. I would say this, and this is out just to encourage you, if you're in a dating relationship or you desire to be in a dating relationship, I would say this. You need to date them for enough time to where you could see them in multiple seasons. Now, I know people get married quick. I know people have been, I know people literally who got married in like two months and they, they've been living and, and married and happy and have children and they've been married for 30 years. I'm not saying that you can't do it. I'm just saying wisdom oftentimes, I know more that it hasn't worked out than it has. And so I would encourage you to walk through seasons with them and so that you can really, they can see you and you can see them. When I was in Bible college, I, I went to a really intense Bible college. I went to a Bible college that one of the teachers always said, listen, don't get married to anybody until you go on a mission trip with them. Because when you're on a mission trip, let me tell you something, you're going to see them for who they are. You know what I'm saying? When you're pooping in a hole, you know what I'm saying? Too much? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm joking. You don't have to really go on a mission trip with him. What I'm, what I'm saying, though, is have integrity and say, okay, I want to I wanna be open and honest and vulnerable to show who I am. And as I, we walk together and grow together, we can continue to become who God has called us to be if this is right and this is who he's called you to be with. Does that make sense? So important. For marriage in the room, what does it really look like? You know, we can be people that hide conversations from our spouses. We can be people that hide messages and texts or, or, or Insta stuff. We can, we, can begin to, we can hide things from them. It's not integrity. That's not private life and public life matching up, lining up. Do you know in 2022, the statistic, I think it was, it was between 42 and 48% of the statistics of marriages that, got, that ended up in divorce in 2022, that between 42 and 48 of them had something to do with social media. One in every two divorces in our country have something to do with social media. What, is that, what does that show us? It shows us a lot of things that are, people are hiding through messages, through, 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 through likes, whatever it may be. And again, I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do. That's not my heart. My heart is to tell you, listen, God has called us to be a people that have integrity, that set up boundaries for ourselves that we would set up boundaries to protect yourself. You're like, oh, well, no, like, no, not me. A anybody, but me. no, no, trust me, I'm good. That may be true, but I do know this. Everybody is vulnerable to temptation. Everybody is vulnerable to temptation. And so how do we, as, as a married people, how do we really, really set ourselves up to have integrity? One of those ways is by being being honest and vulnerable and not hiding uh, uh, relationships or, or messages or not hiding finances. Being open and honest about your finances. There are so many people that get relationship tensions and divorces because of finances and are we being vulnerable with our finances? So important. 
Are we being vulnerable about being ourselves? And uh, talking about young people and talking about singles being themselves. Are we being vulnerable being ourselves? Meaning this, when we are somewhere, are we fully there? Are we present, married people? Y'all know how it is. Y'all be talking at dinner, and both y'all, I don't even have my phone. I don't even know where it is. Both y'all be on your phone. And the whole dinner. And then you hear something like, hey, did you hear what I said? And you think, man, that's a weird way for my wife to start a conversation. Why would she start the conversation? Did you hear me? Well, babe, I'm right next to you. Say what you got to say. Well, here's the thing. Are we really being present? Or are we somewhere else? Are we at, are we at, at work in the mind, but at home? We're, we're in the body, but we're at home, and we're not really there. I can tell you this, married folk, and you know this, I'm sure, but I can tell you this. Work's going to be there tomorrow. Work's going to be there tomorrow, but you know what? Your family one day won't be. Your kids won't be. Your children will one day get older, no matter how old they are right now, and they're going to move on. They won't be there every day. Your job will be. So let's put a priority on our families, put our families before uh, uh, work and different things. Why? So that we can continue to be present and have integrity and show them the love of God and really our own love as well, not just the love of God. Because I know this. There are more marriages, hear me married people, there are more marriages that end because of complacency than than because of conflict. There are more marriages that end because of complacency than conflict. Meaning this, it's not usually, oh, I got mad. It's usually over time of us just being so comfortable in where we are and we start to just do our own thing and we start to just do our, and we, there's, no, there's no connection. There's no, and next thing you know, you're, you're over here, you're over there. Next thing you know, our hearts are hard towards one another. Next thing you know, there's distancing ourselves. Next thing you know, after di- distancing ourselves, there's division. And after division now, next thing you know, we're in other relationships and we're talking to other people. And it's all because of complacency. Don't allow yourself, hear me, don't allow yourself to fall into the trap that the enemy has laid for marriage in our culture that says that we are just together because this we said I do. No, you are together because God brought you together for something great. And maybe you're in a place in your life where the, 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 the spark has, has gone or the spark isn't there anymore. I want to encourage you in your life that you would go back to when that spark was there and remind yourself of what it was like and what you need to do. And I would say this, it would be important that you would be first to make the initial move, to start the relationship, to restore it and to renew it and to, and to start that spark in your life. Does that make sense? It's interesting because... Integrity is really, really the simp- most simplistic term of integrity is just doing what you said you'll do. I said it, so I'll do it. For those that are married in the room, you made a vow to your spouse. You made a vow on wedding day. And that vow was that you would, you would love them, that you would care for them till death do you part. And here's what happens. Now, through the, the course of life and time, the life has become complacent. And now from complacency, now you're not even really cherishing them. And so could it be that the spark is gone and you've been waiting for the spark to be reignited when God is just waiting for you to drop your complacency and start to put your spouse before yourself? Is this okay? Your vows, integrity, doing what I said I would do. Now, you may be like, oh, that was a long time ago. Well, good, I'm glad it was a long time ago because I'm gonna tell you what you said during your vows. Okay, let's talk about it. Here we go. Here's what you said. Here's what you said. You said, whatever your name is, dot, 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 do you take dot, 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 dot as your own flesh to love, 
to protect, and to care for, even as Christ loves the church. Do you love, protect, and care for your spouse the way Christ cares for you? Now, some of y'all know you be talking to your spouse different than Jesus be talking to you. Come on, somebody. You know Jesus don't be saying that. Then, of course, because the butterflies and everybody's there to see you when you're white dressed and you're a cool tuxedo and there's motions and there's flying and all you're thinking about is the night after and so you don't even care about what you're saying and you're like, I do. And everybody's like, oh, they do, they do. And then the, the guy officiating or the woman officiating says this. Then turn to them and say this confession of your faith. I, so-and-so, whatever your name is, Jimmy, Bob, Grant, good, I don't know what your name is, okay, good. And then I turn, I give myself to whatever her name is, dot, 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 dot. Then to be my wedded wife, check this out, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, check this out now, to love and to cherish till death do us part. According to God's holy will, I now pledge to you my faithfulness. According to God's will, now I'm pledging to you and you alone for the rest of my life till I die. I'm pledging to you this, that I'm going to protect you, I'm going to care for you, I'm going to cherish you, and I'm going to love you. What does that really look like, cherishing? Cherishing is this, I'm choosing for the rest of my life to put you first. For the rest of my life, I'm putting your feelings before mine. But for the rest of my life, I'm putting your needs before mine. For the rest of my life, whether you serve me or not, I'm choosing to serve you. See, the thing about our vows is not, oh, it says, oh, I choose to, till death do us part, to love you, to cherish you, to, to protect you, to care for you, if you do it for me. We made a vow. Now, here's the interesting thing about vows. Biblically, when we make a vow, a covenant before God, it's, it's irreversible. See, in, in, in our day and age, we think a vow is a, is a contract. So we can sign it, and if we don't like it anymore, we can just get traded to another team. A covenant is, now I made a vow. Now, stop, pause. Now, I'm not talking about, let me, let me give people grace. Let me make sure. I'm not talking about people that have been in, in, in harmful relationships. That, that's a whole other scripture and a whole other chapter and a whole other series and a whole other message for that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about because of you, our own complacency or our own selfishness that we're choosing to not love. Does that make sense? Okay, I just wanna make sure everybody's cool with that. Okay, so that being said, could it be that the spark has gone out not because your spouse has changed, but because you've chosen in your own heart to want to be served before you serve, to want to cherish before you want to be cherished. Married folk in the room. Singles are like, I feel good about this. Well, guess what? Yours is coming. <laughs> Married's in the room. Can I ask you this question? Are you really walking in integrity in your marriage? Because integrity is, I'm gonna do what I said I did. Whether it was a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, I'm gonna do what I, I'm gonna do what I said, I, yes, Jesus. I'm gonna do whatever I say I, did, I said I was gonna do. I'm gonna choose to cherish you, love you, protect you, care for you, just like Christ 
loves me and cares for me. And Christ chose to put us first. God's desiring for us to do the same. That's what integrity is if you're in a marriage. It's important that we would understand this. And it's important that we walk this out and live this in our lives. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 says this. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Then Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, it says this. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. We're going PG-13 for a minute, so just bear with me. But really the two ways that we can continue to grow in our relationships and prepare and be the people God has called us to be in our relationships is one, through integrity, and two, through intimacy. Intimacy. The Bible says that he, God created them. This is before, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, we just read it. Before sin ever entered their planet, he said he created them, and he said, go, go be fruitful and multiply. What does this show us? This shows us that sexual intimacy is of God. Sexual intimacy is, was not, is not and was not and never will be created by man or woman. Sexual intimacy was not created by the devil. Sexual intimacy was created by God. And all the married folks should say, amen, brother, praise God. <laughs> sexual intimacy was created by God. Sexual intimacy is not wrong. Sexual intimacy is not something that should be we should be ashamed of and that we should not be able to have, have a conversation to be able to talk about how God sees it and views it. And so here's what we know. The Bible says that the man and wife, they were both naked and they felt no shame. The enemy, here's what the enemy does. See, God created it. The enemy, everything God creates, the enemy tries to distort. The enemy tries to pervert. The enemy tries to, 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 to change or shift to get us to see it in a different light or do it in a different way. That being said, we see in the scripture, the Bible says that God created man and woman and they were naked and unashamed and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, what does that look like? It looks like for married folks, you need to know this. Sexual intimacy is a weapon for your marriage. Sexual intimacy is a weapon for your marriage. I want to show up to you back again when I just said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. It says the, two, the father and his mother, they leave, they leave and the two are united into one. See, when we say I do, we become spiritually, as a covenant, we become spiritually one with our spouse. Then, after being one with our spouse, now we emotionally, as we live life together, we emotionally become one with them. How we become one with them physically is through sexual intimacy. That being said, here's what we have to understand. God uses sexual intimacy to draw us closer into a tighter knit unit, team, with each other. And so God created it so that we would know it's so that two are better than one, so that we can really become one with one another and we can really fight off anything that the enemy has. Why? Because God knows and the enemy knows that, that you with your spouse, close, tight, intimate with one another, is gonna be hard for the enemy to break. And if the enemy can't break it, you're gonna do more for God with your spouse than without them. Okay, does that make sense? Make sense? And so here's what's important, you understand. Okay, God brings us together in, as a unit when we, when, with sexual intimacy. That being said, it's interesting because what the enemy does when we're not married, he does everything he can to try to tempt us to get into the bed. When we are married, he does everything he can to try to tempt us to get out of the bed. 
because he knows sexual intimacy is a weapon. Now, that being said, for married people, it is a weapon to draw us closer. For singles in the room, now it's your turn. For singles in the room, it's a weapon to cause shame and guilt and pain and hurt in your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, I think it's 16, is it, verse, is it chapter 16? No, chapter 6, excuse me, in verse 18. Check this scripture out. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual morality is like sin against your own body. There is no sin on the planet that affects you and me more than sexual sin. You're like, wait a minute, hold up, hold up. I thought sexual, I, I, I mean, I thought all sin was equal. Yes, all sin is equal. That's true. But there is no sin that affects you. It's all equal in God's eyes. But there's nothing that affects here more than sexual sin. Why? Because we see it with Adam and Eve. There's this shame that comes on us. There's this guilt that comes on us. And so the enemy tries to use it to cause harm in your life. And so the world will say things like, oh, just be with whoever you want. Be wherever you want. It doesn't matter. Be with however many people you want. Why? It doesn't even, it's all about you and your feelings. Well, here's the problem with that. The purpose of why sexual intimacy was created is to become one with someone. So the problem is now we have a bunch of people in our culture and our society society that are having sexual intimacy outside of marriage and we're becoming one with all these different types of people and so what's happening now we're becoming one and then we're coming apart and we're tearing ourselves apart so now a piece of us is missing and a piece of them we have and then we go on and do this multiple times and next thing you know now we're a person that doesn't even know who we are it's interesting we live in a society that is so caught up in just doing whatever you feel and being free to be with whoever you want to be with. But yet, statistically, never in a generation has there been more depression and anxiety than now. I don't think it's an accident. Why? Because there's no sin that clearly affects you, your body more than sexual sin. So what does that mean? There's gonna be all these consequences and repercussions in our lives that we don't even realize of depression and anxiety and stress and, and all these different things that we may focus on. Why? Because we're giving ourselves to different people and we don't realize the enemy's using it to weaponize him, his, 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 his shame and his guilt to cause us to get lower and lower and feel lower and lower. Why? Because he doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to have victory. He doesn't want you to have healthy relationships. So here's the interesting thing. Sexual intimacy is a weapon for God or for the enemy. Here's the interesting thing. We choose how we use the weapon. We have to be so aware because, again, we're living in a society of the question we have to ask ourselves is where are we getting this information where are we getting all our information? Because we're getting all our information from, from other people and uh, celebrities and, and movies. And those things might be great. But if we're getting our information on what it should look like, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get a very distorted view of what and how we should really live. So I challenge you in the room, online. Maybe you'll, you're single in the room. I want to encourage you. God doesn't hate you. God's not mad at you. He's not the fun police. He's not the fun police where it's like, oh, you just can't have any fun till you're married. No, he's not, that's not who he is. God's not the fun police. In fact, I believe this, God tells us to stay away from sexual intimacy until we get married because he's trying to protect us. 
He loves us so much that he's trying to protect us. And so what he's doing is, hey, I want you to know, stay away from that stuff till you're ready to become one with someone. Why? Because all it's going to do is create shame and guilt and pain. And maybe you're at a place where you say, oh, no, I do stuff all the time, and I don't feel any shame. Well, I can, I can guarantee this. You may not feel shame right now, but at some point you will. I have I do premarital counseling all the time. I do, I'm doing premarital counseling all every, I'm, I'm, so many, I'm so happy so many people are getting married. I'm doing so many premarital's and I'm telling you, so often I sit across from someone and they have to talk about their, 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 their past life and how they, these different people they've given themselves to and there's such shame that comes across and how they have to, get, have to tell and have to explain and have to share and it's, it, there's this shame that they carry. They're not saying, man, I wish I would have just been with one more person. They're not coming down the aisle or standing on the aisle and thinking, man, if I would have just gave myself to one more person, man, I wish I, no, they're thinking, man, I wish I would have waited because I know that this is so precious and now I'm being able to give a part of myself to someone for the rest of my life. But you have to be bold enough to stand up and live a way that the world's not living. But if you look at relationships and you look at people's lives in the world, I'll be honest, I don't want the way they're living. But you got to choose. And maybe you're in the room online and you say, oh, I've made mistakes. It's all good. God loves you. I'm not against you. God's not against you. Oh, man, you don't know how many mistakes I've made. All good. God loves you. He forgives you. The Bible says if you call to him, you, you cry out, you ask for forgiveness, he forgives you every time because he loves you. So you don't have to carry, hear me, the shame of saying, oh, this is who I am. No, it's not who you are. The Bible says our old life is gone and now we have a new life in him. But here's what we do know. Now we have to make the choice today to say, I'm gonna walk in purity and obedience to God. I'm gonna walk in obedience and purity to God. He's not the fun police. He's not the God that does, just doesn't want you to have any fun. He just wants you to just be miserable. No, God is the fun police. He, God is the fun God. He created sex. He just wants you to wait till married. Come on, married folks. God's fun. Praise God. The Bible says that you should enjoy the wife of your youth. Come on, somebody. You're like, oh, my wife ain't that young anymore. It don't matter. She can be today. Come on, somebody. Get you some lunch, buy her something nice, and then go. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply is what God says. <laughs> that wasn't in the notes. <laughs> it's a little hot in here now. God's not the fun police. God's the God that loves us so much that he cares about every detail of our lives. And he wants you to spend the rest of your life giving yourself to that person because it's, it's, it's meant to create a unit that the enemy can never tear apart. But let's not let the enemy distort it and cause us to think it's just an act or an action that we do to express how we feel. No. It's so much more than an act. It's intimacy. It's a vulnerability that draws me so close. 
that no man can tear it apart. You're in the room and you're married. I encourage you. Maybe the spark is, is gone. Maybe you've been trying. You've been wondering. I just want to encourage you. God's a God that's in the restoration business. He loves you. He loves them. And maybe it's a place where you have to get vulnerable and you have to, maybe you made mistakes in your marriage and you have to say, you have to be humble enough to apologize and, and, and start to process over. Let me tell you something. Trust takes a lifetime to earn and a moment to lose. And so maybe you've lost trust and you're wondering how long does it take? Let me tell you something. That's the consequence of you losing that trust. You got to work now to gain that trust. But I do know this. For those that are married, it doesn't start with your spouse. It starts with you. Maybe you need to go back to the day and the moment where you saw them coming down the aisle. You saw him looking all good in his tuxedo and he was standing on that, on that platform. And the moment of thinking and knowing, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. I want to spend every waking moment with them because I care about them. I love them. And so let all the, all the garbage of this world, all the life routines, all the complacency, let it all die. And let a spark start back in your heart. And watch God begin to do something in your marriage that he hasn't, did you, hasn't happened in years. But it starts with you saying, I'm going to walk in integrity. I'm going to put them first. If you're single in the room, what does it look like for you to truly fully walk in obedience to him? You may get made fun of. Actually, scratch that. Take that off the internet. You're not maybe going to get made fun of. You're going to get made fun of. We live in such a society where it's become so normalized that now if you don't, it's almost like the word virgin is a curse word. No. Your purity is, should be so much more valuable than what someone thinks of you. Because in the end, they're not going to be the ones, those, those friends and those whatever, they're not going to be the ones that are going to spend the rest of your life with you. No, you're going to be spending it with one person. And so hold off, wait, be patient, trust God, and watch God do a work in your heart and other hearts. And I believe this, you're going to find freedom in other areas of your life that you never have found freedom in just because you're willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to wait. Because the Bible says there's no, there's no sin that affects our bodies. That means we let it go. We say we're going to be patient. Now what happens is God's going to do other things in my life that I never thought he would do. But here's the question. Are you willing to make the choice? Are you willing to make the sacrifice? Because I can guarantee you this. The wealthiest people on this planet are not the people with the most money. But the wealthiest people on this planet are the people that have healthy relationships. So maybe you're at a place and you're in a relationship, your spouse, and you say, it's not real healthy. It's all good. I believe with all my heart it can be. Maybe you're at a place where you're in a relationship with someone, you're saying, it's not healthy. I believe it can be. Maybe you're at a place where you're saying, I'm waiting. Well, you let God begin to work in you and be, make you a healthy person and then watch God begin to bring the blessings of your life. I believe this. We serve a God that loves us so much that he cares even about our relationships, that he would bless us with others that we can love and we can cherish for the rest of our lives. Amen? Amen? Can we pray today? Father, I thank you so much.